Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Colin Bevan. Colin attracted international attention for his year-long lifestyle redesign project and popular book and documentary film, No Impact Man. He's appeared on Nightline, Good Morning America, The Colbert Report, The Montel Williams Show, and NPR. His story has been featured in news outlets from Time Magazine to The New York Times. He is a sought-after speaker by wide-ranging audiences. He consults with business on improving eco-friendly and human-centered practices and lives in Brooklyn, New York. And Colin Bevan's new book is called How to Be Alive, A Guide to the Kind of Happiness that Helps the World. Sounds like the kind we need. Colin, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks. Nice to be here. Uh, It's great to have you here. I've appreciated uh, the two books of yours that I know about and uh, and the movie. And and I suspect a lot of people are familiar with uh, the book and the movie No Impact Man. Um, Bring us up to speed. To to what extent are you still living that way? Oh, so, I mean, I guess first of all, I should say that the No Impact Man project was a project that I launched back in 2007 where I lived with my family as environmentally as possible in New York City, and it was it was a response both to um, what was what I saw ha- what we were doing to get our oil, namely the Iraq and the Afghanistan wars, and what was happening when we burned our oil, which was climate change, and then the fact that the way of life that all of that energy was supposed to power um, didn't seem as happy as I thought it should be. Uh, I, I saw people working 10, 12, 14 hour days. Uh, not using the talents or the passions that they cared about, not spending enough time with their loved ones. And sometimes, and, and those were the lucky ones, sometimes people not being able to make ends meet at all. And so it seemed to me that there was something wrong with the way we were running things. And so I launched this year of living environmentally. Um, and it was, uh, it was extreme in a certain sense. Like I really w- went the whole hog. Um, and what I discovered out of it was that some of the, the practices that I thought I was doing for the sake of the environment actually made me happier. And so I've kept a lot of practices. So, for example, um, vegetarianism turns out to be better for my heart and uh, better for the world and better for my heart. So it's, it's healthy for me to say that way. Or uh, in the city, I'm able to get around by walking and biking, which means I get exercise as part of my daily routine as opposed to taking a taxi to the gym to get on a treadmill and then run in place. (laughs) Um, Makes a lot of sense. uh, Pardon me? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And most importantly, I think, is that that No Impact Man year taught me that um, I have a voice and that each of us has power to change um, their their own lives and the lives of those around them. Um, And and that's what I continue to do. And, And how to be alive is just about that. Like, how can we wake up to the fact that we have the power to change our own lives and 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 those of those of and the lives of those around us uh, obviously just one person doing what you did is admirable but doesn't save the world but if you make a book and a movie about it and people start following your example that could have a significant impact to what to what extent do you know that anyone is is following even partially the example that you set 
Well, you know, we I started a nonprofit called the No Impact Project where we run um, this program called No Impact Week, and people live as environmentally as possible over the course of a week, and it runs in businesses and different kinds of institutions. And over 70,000 people have done that. So, but, but, but also in terms of this question of whether one person can make a difference, um, a, a, a couple of things. I mean, um, this is how cultures change. We, we as individuals, we all, we, we tend to think, how could I change anything? I'm just a cog in the machine, except the machine is only made up of cogs. So if enough of the cogs change, then, then the machine changes. And of course, if enough of the cogs gather together in, in collective action and let their political representatives know that they expect change, they can change, they, they, they can make things happen too. So we have to be careful of this meme that one person can't make a difference because actually, if all of us say that, then definitely won't, we won't make a difference. But if all of us say we can make a difference, then we, we in fact will. Well, I agree, needless to say, but one person makes a difference by influencing more than uh, him or herself. Um, by, totally by, agree. Yep. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, you went very, I don't know if you went no impact, but you went very low impact, right? You went from the American average of 16,000 pounds of trash a, a year, I think you you documented at 1.2 uh, to very few if if a pound of trash i imagine uh and 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 yet if you live in a a city or a town uh you engage with the consumption that happens there if you pay taxes you you are funding wars and subsidies for fossil fuels and so on uh so at some point we need a general solution um and, and i take that to be in part the the message of the of the new book that we have to uh that we have to accomplish something collectively. Well, things change. I, I think of change happening in society as kind of like a cultural two-step. So if you think of, let's, let's take marriage equality, um, thinking back when, when um, civic, uh, civic unions between same-sex couples were first allowed in uh, California. So if you think about that, first the culture changed. So it became... It became mm, more okay socially as far as people were concerned for same-sex couples to live together. And then the legislators followed that change in culture by, um, by, by legislating that it was okay for there to be civic partnerships. And then they moved on to, then the culture changed some more. And then the legislators changed, moved on from there and said it was okay to have same-sex marriages. So in other words, what happens is it's this cultural two-step of regulatory and, you know, institutional change followed by cultural change followed by institutional change. So to the, so changing the way we live as a culture uh, and our individual lives is important, but also getting involved in our, in our civic structures, our businesses, our governments, our religions, all of those things, and, and causing those systems to change is also important. And so how to be alive is... is, is it's partly about that. Um, it's partly about the fact that there's a disease in the culture, this kind of feeling that things are going wrong and none of us know how to solve it. So, um, so, so, so how do we find ways in our own lives to actually change and, 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 and act differently, uh, live according to our values, and be involved in the bigger systems too? 
Yeah, and and that's what's interesting about the book is it really is a guide to how to live uh, in, in a way that will benefit both you and and the rest of the world. And you you cite a poll that uh, that only thirty percent of people in the United States that have jobs feel engaged by those jobs, which is is incredibly sad. <laughs> and and a big part of the the message uh, regarding how to live seems to be that you should figure out a way where your job can be working to make the world a better place and find satisfaction in that. Uh, is that is that right? Sure. I mean, so basically, um, there there was this idea in our culture that, <clears throat> excuse me, you go to college, no matter how much in debt you have to go to get that, because that will get you a great corporate job, which may not be exactly what you want to do, but at least you'll get health care and retirement benefits. And not only that, you'll be able to afford a big mortgage so you can have a big house and eventually you'll retire and go on lots of cruises. <laughs> and the idea was that you would have a safe and somewhat happy life and that somehow you were actually contributing to society by keeping the wheels of industry turning and also uh, by paying your taxes for social workers and police and, and fire trucks and stuff like that. But what people are finding is that even if you go to college now, there's no guarantee of, of a job with 40% of uh, recent graduates unemployed. And even if you get a job for a corporation, there's no guarantee of health care or retirement benefits because so many of us are expected to work as freelancers. Not only that, but if you do get to succeed at that stuff, you can't escape the feeling that you're kind of probably doing it a little bit at the expense of the world because most of us don't believe in the missions of, our corp- of the corporations that we work for and feel as though they're actually doing a lot of harm in the world. So the question becomes, well, if those old standard approaches to life aren't working, what is the standard? What is a new approach to life? And is there a way where we can live happier and do better by the world? After after No Impact Man, I traveled around and gave lectures. And what I found myself meeting um, thousands of what I call life questers. That's a term I made up, life questers. And what these life questers are doing is questing after a way of life that's both better for them and better for their world, for the world. Um, and, you know, people are doing all sorts of things. They may be farming or running community gardens or uh, starting elder centers or, or staying in their existing jobs but finding ways to be more helpful in their jobs. Um, so, 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 yes, it's a, this book is about, uh, well, it's about the quest for a way of life that's better for us and better for the world. I think that's very well said. We're speaking with Colin Bevan, the author of No Impact Man and the recent book, How to Be Alive, A Guide to the Kind of Happiness that Helps the World. Uh, you actually tell a story in the book in, in this regard, Colin, about a, a college graduate who's enjoyed summer volunteer work for a good cause uh, and sadly considers himself doomed to not enjoying work ever again until after retirement because he wants to support a family. But he is at least a teeny bit right, right? Isn't he that it takes a little more to support a family than a single person? Yes, but the the, the story of that young man that you that, that you talk about was that he had actually found his own passion, and and he 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 had found what talents he liked using. Um, and well, let's take a step back. What he was doing was he was delivering um, secondhand books to underprivileged kids on his bicycle, and he really loved this job. He loved everything about it, that he was helping kids with their education, that he was part of the second-hand economy, that he was biking. He kind of found a place that 
a way of being that made him happy. And and then as the story goes, uh, he told me about this, and he was very sad because he believed he had to go on to get an MBA and that he would have to fit himself into this kind of standard life approach mold that we talked about before. And it was really sad because he kind of knew what he wanted to do with his life and he resigned himself to the idea that he wouldn't be able to do it again until he was retired. He felt that he had to earn a lot of money um, as a business person to support a family and that, that he didn't even have yet. Um, and the truth of the matter is that it's possible for us to find ways of living where our where, where our expenses are lower, um, for example, by living in community or living close, living close to where we work so we don't have to have cars driving around all the time. What, it's possible to build life in a, in a, in a different way. And if, even if you've already built a life that where you feel stuck, um, it's possible to take small steps in that life to move towards a life that's more, more in line with your values. Yeah, I think that's very helpful that the book suggests major and minor steps that one can take. Um, you know, many years ago, I tried writing for newspapers, and I had to toe a corporate line, and I had to write things I absolutely disagreed with, and I quit with, you know, no job prospects because it wasn't fulfilling. Um, and I figured out, you know, many years ago that I have to write for activist groups and non-corporate publications where I can feel like I'm trying to make the world a better place. But I can barely find enough work, uh, even after many years of doing this. Uh, how do I, How can I recommend it to other people? I, I mean, if you want to go work in the weapons industry, there's plenty of jobs. If you want to go into the military, I mean, you can't avoid the, the recruitment advertisements. But if you want to work for peace, I, I, I mean, the, the LGBTQ rights campaign is a wonderful example of fast progress, but the plutocracy has really no interest against it. It's not up against those kind of forces. How do I tell someone who wants to work as a peace activist that they can get paid doing it? The, 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 you can't get paid. <laughs> the truth is you cannot get paid as much working as a peace activist, chances are, as you could working in the weapons industry. But the truth also is that, so, and, and there may be, there are people out there who, who, um, who want to live according to materialistic values, and, and that, 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 that's enough for them. Um, but there are many, many of us, these burgeoning life questers, people, it sounds like you and me, um, who actually have different sorts of values that we want to live by. And, and <clears throat> we may have to sacrifice that we're not going to be rich. But chances are we're going to have enough money to get by. And, and, and all the research, if we're hard, you know, if we're hard workers and we're pursu pursuing things, it, it, all the research shows that once, basically, once you have enough money to get by, having more money doesn't actually increase your happiness. What does increase your happiness is to, uh, there, the, the research shows there's actually three things that, that, that three psychological needs that we have. One is that we um, get to be what they call autonomous. That is to say that we're the author of our own actions. We are being the person that we want to be. The second is that we feel as though we're competent. That is that when we do be the person that we feel we're supposed to be, that we actually feel as though we have some effect. And then the third thing is relatedness, that what we do and who we are matters to people around us. So when you take all that together, um, it shows that our psychological, what, what makes us happiest is to meet the psychological need to be ourselves in service of our community. 
now, and 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 no no amount of income can actually buy you that. So the question is the question is not should you sac- your, sacrifice yourself for the world. The question is how do you actually build a life according to your own values? That's that's the real question here. It's not about telling people to do something that they don't want to do. But there are so many of us who who do feel this disease and do want to live according to our values, and that's. That's what this book is. That's the group of people that's I, I, I suspect, Colin, you're going to say yes to this, and I suspect you're right. But if you, if you set aside all the evils of extreme materialism and you find a more fulfilling life, can you be, can you be just as happy? Because I had a, an, an ethics professor on this show who said that if you really want to be moral, I mean, you really look into morality and do what you really ought to do, uh, you pretty much have to give everything away, and you you can't avoid suffering. It's it's going to be hard. <laughs> Is he right? Well, I, I don't really think that much about ethics and morality. I more think about returning to self. And when I say self, I mean with a big capital S. Like, what 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 was I born to do? How was I born to live? Who am I? What what. What can I do to live a life where I don't have regrets on my on my deathbed? And and that doesn't mean that we have to give everything away or sacrifice everything. It means that we have to find some sort of balance. It turns out that if you if you do want to be do good by the world, you need to not be distracted by your own insecurity. If 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 I, by, I mean physical insecurity. So if you're not taking care of yourself in in terms of making enough income to make sure that you can eat and keep a comfortable roof over your head, then chances are you're 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 going to be so distracted by your own suffering you can't help the world anyway. So it's not about it's not about this kind of ethics and morality here. It's about actually asking why why am I alive? Why was I born? And not about absolutely not about doing what we ought to do, but but doing what we feel compelled to do by the people we act by the persons we actually are. Uh, uh, hoping that no persons are actually, uh, y- you know, driven to fulfill themselves by being Donald Trump, I suppose. Uh, um, what, uh, what if our country had free health care and education and mass transit and affordable housing or even a guaranteed income? I mean, how much easier would it be for life questers? Um, have, have you looked at people who are attempting to find these sorts of fulfilling lives in Scandinavia, for example, and how different is it? Let me take, first take a step, Jack, to, to what you said when I said we want sure. to kind of fulfill ourselves, and you said presupposing that we don't want to be like Donald Trump, of course. The, 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 truth, of, the, the truth of the matter is, is that if we, it, it turns out that the psychology says that if we are not traumatized as we grow up, and if we are not severely taught to follow materialistic values, then when we actually return to our own inner values, what I call returning to the self, then the truth of the matter is we'll the, the science shows that because of those three needs, the autonomy, the competence, and the relatedness, we will actually help other people. So, so, so there's this idea about being yourself being a narcissistic thing. Right. But, but actually, most narcissists are following directions. They're doing whatever it takes to make people think that they're great, and they're following all everybody else's directions. That this is to, 
to, to be really in touch with yourself actually means to be in touch with your compassion. So it's important to say that. Um, <clears throat> when, with regards to what you asked about systems being in place to actually allow us to fulfill our, our human purpose, um, when uh, m- my little girl, I used to say to her sometimes, I'd say, hey, it was a little routine we had. I would say, hey, why are we alive, Bella? And she would say, to laugh, Daddy. And I would say, and what's our responsibility? And she would say, to make sure other people can laugh too. Um, and and um, it was a great party trick to get my six-year-old to say that. But but also, that's kind of what the life of the life cluster is about. Like, what's important to you? Let's say it's to laugh, or let's say it's to eat good food. And then, what what what's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to help make it so other people have access to that too. So 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 your question about you know are there systems in which we can live more according to our purpose? Yes, there are. But part of our, but what I believe, part of the LifeQuester's purpose is to make the systems we live in better for other people too, more accessible, so, so that the things that we care about are accessible to all. Yeah. Uh, you bring up children, and that's a whole section of the book. You have a little girl. I have two boys who I love and want a better world for. Um, I have a, a friend, a journalist I respect, uh, named Dar Jamal, who's been looking at the, the future of the climate and the planet uh, and really advises everyone against having any kids because the, the future of the earth is so bleak. How do you, how do you address that argument? I, 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 don't go, I don't go that route at all. I, I, the, 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 the truth is that... Um, for some of us, having children is the most in, important, life-fulfilling thing we could possibly do. I, I think um, that we have a responsibility to measure carefully how whether we want to have children and how many children we want, and to actually ask ourselves, is it truly in line with my own purpose to do this, or am I doing it because my parents tell me I should be doing it? But if it's truly in line with your purpose, then go for it. But if it's also truly what the part of what I do and try to do in the book is give permission to people to not have children. And what I suggest is that the people who, who feel that it's their destiny to have children and the people who feel it's their destiny should not to not have children should, should actually work together so that the people who have children are supported by the people who don't have children, the people who don't have and the people who don't have children get to have the fulfilling relationships with other people's children. So that actually, I mean, it's no, it's not a new idea. It's just like we should support each other and like we, you know, as we used to in the old days, but, um, and should again in the future. Um, so, so, so I don't say, say, tell people not to have kids. I, I say choose carefully and wisely. And then if you do have kids, share them. And if you don't, because there's, there's also 18 million young adults in this country who are at risk because um, they don't have enough adult, um, uh, adult contact. So, so if, you, if you choose to have kids, share them. If you choose not to have kids, um, help with other people. Yeah, I think it's a great point that people have a need for parenting, um, which you can fulfill without actually literally being a parent. Um, there, there's a lot in the book, in fact, about relationships and family and friends, uh, and it, it almost seems geared towards uh, being an extrovert. I mean, do you have to, if you're an introverted person who thinks they need a lot of time alone, do you, do you, do you kind of have to become more of an extrovert to have a fulfilling life? 
you know, I don't, I don't think that's so at all. Just to say what you're, you're talking about, where I talk about um, the importance of building up, building up a, an interconnected personal community. Yeah. Um, you know, in our culture, the standard life approach is the most important thing is your romantic relationship. You have to find the best romantic relationship. And we forget about actually having friends and other forms of, forms of connection, which in many cases can be more predictive of our happiness and our success than the romantic relationship. Um, so so, so um, in the book, I talk about building personal community, which is it means interconnection. And, and introverts, as much as extroverts, need to be connected. They may, they, they also need time alone, and they also need not to be, um, they may need to not be center of attention when they're in amongst their extroverted friends. But, but the connection itself is important to all of us. What uh, it, It's a wonderful book. I cannot recommend it highly enough to people. We have just a, a couple minutes left. What are... What are easy steps people can take to get started short of finding new relationships and community and, and employment and so forth? There, most of us have something in the in the world that's niggled us. Like I tell a story in, in the book about a woman called Anne who just, for some reason, um, the fact that she drank coffee and knowing that the world coffee trade causes a lot of environmental and social damage – um, bothered her. And so finally, one day, she decided, she went to the grocery store, and she decided she was going to look for the most ethically produced coffee she she could. She didn't know anything about it. She just looked and saw that there were certain labels, and one coffee had a, a bunch of certifications, and she decided to buy that. And it's not that that, it's not that, that is going to change the world, but she didn't stop there. She then went on to to actually research more about it, and she found out about this thing called direct trade coffee houses, where people actually work, where coffee house owners actually work with small farmers, and they don't have to get the certification, and they work together to have to produce the coffee ethically. And she started going to that coffee shop, and then she, she became friends with the baristas, and they were parts of a part of a community garden, and she became part of that. Before you know it, she was on a climate march. So just. Just from taking that small step of buying her coffee differently, it actually led to much more stuff. What's, what's the one thing that you can do in 15 minutes today that will actually answer that niggle that you've been having about something you, you, you wish you, were, you, you could do differently about the world? And take that one step for the 15 minutes and then take the next step for 15 minutes tomorrow and ex- just use that method to begin to experiment with living a life according to your values. Yeah, share this radio show with someone. Then take a little bit bigger step than that, uh, and a bigger one, and a bigger one. Uh, We're almost out of time. Let me ask you quickly about the single little tiny item that I actually disagreed with in the book. Uh, Page 165, I should thank a veteran today. What in the world should I thank a veteran for? Oh, you know, veterans are, uh, I would say, if if there is a veteran... Um, in this country, I, I used to, I, when I was young, I used to pray for the end of the draft. And now that we have no draft, I realized that the whole reason we were able to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and be in war is because all we would do is send away the poor kids. The, the poor kids that had no access to college by any other means, by, that, 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 that actually needed to be in the military as the only way they could get ahead of in life. So can we so, apologize so, to them instead of thanking them? Why not do both? 
because I don't know what to thank them for. <laughs> what am I thanking them for in 30 seconds? I would thank them for their sacrifice because whether, whether, whether you like what they did or not, they, they sacrificed for, to this system that's not working. Like those of us who are privileged enough not to have to go to war to run our lives, um, it's because it's because it's partly because of the people who aren't privileged enough not to go. Unless we don't have the wars and nobody has to go, uh, the book. It'd be better not to have the wars. I totally we're on board with that. All right, we agree on that point and many others. And this is a, an incredible book. You need to pick up a copy. It is called How to Be Alive: A Guide to the Kind of Happiness That Helps the World by Colin Bevan. Colin, thanks for coming on Talk Nation Radio. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a non-profit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.